Hey, everybody. Welcome to The 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley. There are moments in life that define us, that set us down one path or plunge us down a completely different path altogether. Join me as we dive into our guest's turning points. Let's laugh, heal, and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guest made The 180. Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life will be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah. <laughs> How could I talk over that? I was too busy listening to the lyrics, seeing what was going on. <laughs> The 180, yeah. it's a big change. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you hear her. How are you, Amina Kaplan? I'm feeling really good, Eric. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing good on this good. suddenly snowy uh, Wednesday. Oh, it's snowy where you are? Yeah, it's snowy in New York City. Oh, it's a little chilly here. I'm in Orlando, and but it's sunny Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, Florida. Although Orlando's rainier than you would think, but like it's pretty good though. It's sunny and yeah. crisp today. It's nice. Yeah. Chilly. Chilly for Orlando. What does that mean? Like 60 degrees? Yeah, yeah. Probably even <laughs> it's probably even a little warmer, honestly. Yeah. It's probably like in yeah. the in the mid the upper 60s actually yeah and that's chilly that's nice yeah yeah <laughs> well let me tell you besides the weather amina can tell you <laughs> a lot about some performing some drumming and some directing i'm going to introduce our guest amina kaplan <clears throat> amina is an award-winning director editor choreographer musician and actress she is the resident director of the north american tour of disney's the lion king And in addition to being a part of the original American cast of the mega hit Stomp and a collection of roles on stage, some of her on-screen acting credits include Avengers Infinity War, The Office, and Grey's Anatomy. She also has choreographed for a number of shows including Dancing with the Stars and Encore on Disney+. Amina also is a drummer. She's been a drum coach for the Blue Man Group and has played drums for artists such as Rihanna, Macy Gray, Adam Lambert, and Rod Stewart. So we are so happy to have Miss Amina Kaplan in the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> I'm like, really? Mm. I guess I guess I'm getting old. That's what that means. If somebody doesn't like to wait tables and they're old. That's how you get a resume. <laughs> you ain't old. You ain't old. No, no. You are very, you've achieved a lot, which is amazing. It's beautiful. Well, thank you. So here on the 180, we like to play some games. All right. It's game time on the 180. The name of the game is multi-hyphenate who? As a incredible multi-hyphenate yourself who wears a lot of hats, I thought I'd name or describe a multi-hyphenate and see if you can figure out who it is. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, I think some will be easy. Some might not be as easy, but we'll see. We'll okay, see. I might have to phone a friend called Google who's sitting next to me <laughs> here. Okay, I'll, I'll, you know. So here we go. This first man is a fashion designer that launched his luxury brand in 2006, having previously served as the creative director at Gucci and St. Laurent. As a filmmaker, he wrote and directed the Academy Award-nominated films A Single Man and Nocturnal Animals. Oh, my goodness gracious. 
So he's a fashion designer. He was with Gucci. So the first person uh-huh. that came to my mind, of course, is Tom Ford because he's so independent. Uh-huh. But I don't know if Tom Ford has ever done any directing. And so that makes me think it's, oh, my goodness gracious, for Gucci. Well, I mean, you're gut. If you, I don't know, you know. Can I just say, can I, can I slap the buzzer and say Tom Ford and just get it dramatically wrong? Correct. You got it. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't realize Tom Ford, but I love me some Tom Ford yeah. as a fashion designer. Oh, since I was a kid, like he's been around for forever. So I uh-huh. had no idea that he was a director, which is awesome. It's awesome. Nocturnal Animals, I watched and I really enjoyed it. I thought he did really great work. I'm going to actually write this down. Yeah, write it down. Yeah. Check it out. Maybe, you know, you can find yourself in a role on the soundtrack. I don't can know. You, yeah, yeah I would love to. Yeah, right. Can you imagine? Like, it, maybe I'll do the costumes. Me and Tom Ford will trade places. Hey. Nobody wants me to do their costumes, Eric. Trust me on that one. <laughs> Okay, this next one, oh, the flow is correct. So this person is, she's a singer, actress, and businesswoman. She's got her own cosmetics brand and fashion house that bear her last name. She was appointed as an ambassador of education, tourism, and investment by the government of Barbados yeah. in 2018. I think I may have some personal uh, um, experience with this individual. I think it's Rihanna. I think that's it. Hey! Yeah. She's very impressive entrepreneur, isn't she? Yes. Very impressive. Yes, she is. Yeah. And you drummed with her, is that right? Yeah. Or, or did you? Yeah, I've done yeah. a couple of gigs with her. I think we did the Grammys and the AMAs. And uh, awesome. she had a huge band. And so I put together these sort of big percussion ensembles for her. One, we did mixed instruments. One, we did like djembes and yeah. different things. And another one, we did like taiko drums and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I've done it. I worked with her a couple of times and she's lovely. She's lovely. That's so good to hear. And I will tell you, I hope, I mean, you know, Where Have You Been? That song is one of my favorite Rihanna songs. Was that one of the songs that was performed? No, I may be showing my age a little bit here now, too, because Rihanna, you know, like, like, she's lovely, but, like, you know, I'm, you know, let me see. Do I even know the names? It was probably in there. It was probably in there. You know which one that got me? Which one? Was Unana. I don't know what the name of that song Yeah. What's my name? What's my name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, and yeah, we did that good. one for sure. And, I'm, and we did another one. I just can't remember what it was. But um, yeah, we did that What's My Name song. That one. Yeah, every now and again, I find myself just, don't, 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 I love that keyboard track. And I, I'm imagining with all those drums, oh, too. Oh, killer. Ooh, we had so much fun. Yeah. Choreographed this cool taiko thing. And you know what's funny is it didn't end up being so much on screen, but the stage mm-hmm. show was incredible you know the cameras there was fire they, i think they just had too much going on honestly but <laughs> but um but uh, the stage show live was pretty pretty awesome yeah nice okay next up you're two for two okay he wrote the music and lyrics to the, his first hit musical that debuted in 2008 then wrote the lyrics music and script for his follow-up and he's part of a musical improv collective and in terms of awards he's got lots including a pulitzer but he's a o and an e away from in EGOT. Yeah. And uh, I'm an idiot for drawing a blank on his name right now, but <laughs> but he created Hamilton and I saw uh-huh. his Lin, Lin-Manuel. Yes. Yeah. And he, he, whoop, whoop. 
I gotta let you get those in before I start commenting. My, I'm ch- I'm chatty Kathy, Eric. Like that, I just <laughs> chit chat a lot. I love it. No, I I enjoy it. I saw his hip hop improv show on Broadway before everything popped off. Uh huh. Freestyle Love Supreme. Yeah, yes. it's awesome. It's really awesome. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed myself. Like, yeah, I really enjoyed myself. Yes. Like, I, uh, well, let me tell you, I saw it twice. And I got to see it with Wayne Brady, who's one of my personal heroes. He's awesome. Yeah, I do musical improv too. And one of my, I mean, at some point in life, it's going to happen. Like Wayne Brady and I are going to be on a stage together improvising, doing musical improvisation because it's so fun. It is really fun. I don't think I could do it. I'm not a singer. I mean, I'm a musician and, you know, I uh-huh. choreograph and dance a little, but like, you know, I could not do that. I saw it when... <laughs> One of the original genie from Aladdin was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I forget his name right now. And then also there was a guy who was a good friend of Lynn Manuel's who was supposed to be in the original Hamilton, but he was talking about oh. how he got drunk before the audition and stuff and didn't book it. And so his all of his raps were, first of all, wow. A, the best. Uh-huh. And then secondly, a lot of them were regretful about how he could have been in the original cast of Hamilton. But uh-huh. but so it was really good. I mean, he was amazing. He had the crowd like, oh, like that. He yes. Was, he was really good. Yeah. Uh, musical improv. Yeah. Yeah. And it's rapping. it's it's magical. Yeah, exactly. Because there's what I've learned from training in it is just there's so much structure, but it's loose. And that's also what makes it fun. But you have to know the structure in order to play and build. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, OK. OK. We're going to do like a couple more because I'm, I'm loving the stories behind this. <laughs> OK. This one might be tricky. This painter, writer, actor, director, academic has taught film classes at New York University, the University of Southern California, UCLA, and he portrayed the title character in the television biographical film James Dean, for which he won a Golden Globe Award. In 2008, he was named as the face of Gucci's men's fragrance line, Gucci Comes Back. And his short stories that he's written have appeared in Esquire and McSweeney's. Wow, that's such an impressive resume. I love that he's a fine artist and that he's a teacher. And I have no clue who this is. Like, I... (laughs) I, I want to know who this person is because I'm so impressed by their hyphenates. Because I'm a huge advocate for hyphenates, but right, yeah. Message. That was a message because because you, you're uh, you know you're all for uh, multi hyphenates. Yeah, so. yeah, totally. Okay, I see. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know who this person is, but they're a bad. <laughs> well, okay, so we gotta give give you a wrong buzz because okay, I, I Ooh, have that... the sound effect. Ooh, that hit me in the solar plexus. (laughs) It's James Franco. Oh, my God. I should have just guessed. I should have just guessed. Yeah. Yeah. I was hopeful that the James Dean thing throwing that in. Yeah, I should have just guessed. And and then you know what it is, is that that was a while back. And that, frankly, there's been a couple kids who've come along who are kind of in his category now. Right. Like, and the kid that was coming to mind is Redmayne. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And then also there's another um, younger actor who was just in the Freddie Mercury movie. Oh, and yes. both of them oh, came to my, my mind. Favorite. So James Franco was in my head, but I couldn't get his name through, you know, those other guys. But look at <laughs> him. Yeah, I'm freaking terrible. This is <laughs> No, you're fucked. That's the first one you've got wrong. I just know I just don't know anyone's name. I'm like, I call myself a professional in the business. And like I'm like, who's that? Who's that really super famous A-list actor? <laughs> That's my bad. Uh, what is his name? Eddie. 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 I, I saw the E. Go. Eddie. There you go. All yes. right. We've redeemed ourselves with all respect to Eddie Redmayne because he's awesome. Okay, last two. This American poet, memoirist, civil rights activist, 
was also an actress and dancer. While she's most renowned for her poetry and written works, she has a cookbook and appeared acting on screens in Touched by an Angel, Poetic Justice, Roots, and many others. The only film she ever directed was the 1998 film Down in the Delta. So many people just popped into my head. Down in the Delta, it's a 1998 film. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Okay, there's a few people that are in my head right now. You know, oh my, I'm, I'm like embarrassed to even say. I'm so embarrassed right now. I'm embarrassed because no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say just like the craziest names, and people are just, people are gonna just literally throw stuff at their computers. Like no, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna pull out their headphones, like throw their phones on the ground when I say the people that are in my mind. All right, she's a poet, I'm excited. dancer, uh -huh. and also a filmmaker, a poet, a dancer, and a filmmaker. But the only film she directed was Down. That's the only film she directed. So if you're, yeah. You know, I'm my Angelo's coming to mind, but like, mm -hmm. I don't know that she was a dancer unless that was like way back in the day. Poet and actress and a dancer. And she directed this. Lynn Whitfield is coming to mind. Yes. Very, very. I could, I see Lynn Whitfield on Touched by an Angel for sure. Touched by an Angel. This Is this, could it be Touched by an Angel? Is that Della Reese? Is that like, she was on that show, but. Oh my That's God! True. Look, and I'm okay, just named look, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. Right, you did. No, no, no. You got it. You got it. My Angelou is who it is. Oh, is my Angelou. Oh, yes. Thank you. God, yes. the it was the first one I said. She was the first one that came to my mind. Exactly. And I was trying to give women in her generation who had that skill set. Right. Oh my God. You know, you're getting it. Okay, last one. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah. You're pretty sure you're gonna get this one. All right. This Trinidadian American actor, dancer, musician, and artist was a principal dancer for the Metropolitan Ballet mm. before his film career began in 1957. He directed and costume designed a Tony-winning hit on Broadway that spawned the career of Stephanie Mills. Oh, yeah. No, come on, yeah, Jeffrey Holder. Okay. Come with Jeffrey yes, Holder. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is Jeffrey Holder. Yeah, I'm a huge Jeffrey Holder fan. Like, worship the ground that Jeffrey Holder walked on. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you a big Jeffrey Holder fan as well? Yes. I mean, he's an amazing icon that did so much and broke barriers. Like, he was, yeah. he was everything, really. And I know people, you know, around him know who he was, but people really don't know that he is the whiz. Mm. Like, that The Wiz was Jeffrey Holder's baby. Wow. He did the original costumes for it. Right. He was the one who brought it to Bear. Like, he was the one who was like, this, we need to do this. And, like, how he didn't get to direct the movie. And, we, you know, we know all of that stuff and the politics yeah, and all of it, all drama. of it, all of it. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, Jeffrey Holder. And the fact that, like, him and Carmen... De Lavalade. De Lavalade. Thank you. I, get, I always yes. just mispronounce her... Um, last name, but thank you for helping me with it. Like they're just their relationship. Mm -hmm. And if you, and he danced for Catherine Dunham and like, just like all the things that are Jeffrey or that were Jeffrey Holder and what he has done for everybody, yeah. not just, not just black artists and black dancers or black dancers or whatever it is. Jeffrey Holder has touched mm -hmm. everybody. Cause if you saw Annie, you saw Jeffrey Holder yes. playing Punjab and it's just like, come yes. on, like, that, or the Uncola. I mean, Jeffrey Holder. What a career. Yes. I love I love that guy. Yeah, I was like, I have to include Jeffrey Holder on this list because, yeah, especially given your work and back, like, yeah, he's just an icon. Yeah, he's spectacular. Thank you for playing. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Now I'm going to ask you some questions that are more just getting to know you. Sure. So if you could be the opposite sex for 24 hours, is there something that you would do that you wouldn't be comfortable to do otherwise? Oh my goodness, that, that is so funny. <laughs> oh my God. 
Oh my god! Do I, I have to admit my girl crushes right now? Is what it is because, like, okay, you know, go ahead. because there are there are a couple of beautiful women <laughs> that like <laughs> that like. If I was a guy, like I would be like, hey, uh, let me shoot my shot. You know, yeah, like let me let me see if I can take her out to lunch. Like, I mean, if I'm gonna be a guy, like, because because honestly, you know, as a sort of like modern woman, I yes, misogyny is real, and yes, but. Maybe there are roadblocks in my way, hmm. but that road is there. I can walk that road. There's no, there's no <laughs> law saying that me as a woman, I can't walk that road. So anything a guy can do, I can do. Yes. You know, I'm very fond of saying they're just wearing pants and I'm wearing pants too. So let's, let's go, let's <laughs> build something. Yeah. But you know, the thing that guys get to do that this, you know, hetero cis normative, whatever, you know, woman doesn't get to do mm. is date really beautiful women. <laughs> and like, <laughs> there's a couple of like um, black actresses that I would be like, excuse uh-huh. me, miss, do you think that we might be able to like go to lunch? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And of course, you will be a gentleman. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely, yes, I would be a gentleman. But yeah, there's like, I definitely have a couple of girl crushes that I'm like, man, she is really pretty. <laughs> But I mean, this is, I'm not going to force you, but you can name one if you want. Oh just, my goodness I mean, gracious. I would embarrass myself. I think she already knows I have a girl crush on her, but I would just totally embarrass myself if I named people. So no, I, I can't, I can't name <laughs> okay, anyone. It's, okay. it's bad enough that like when you gave me the opportunity to walk in a guy's skin, the first thing I'm thinking about is girls. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> the ladies, you know, the ladies. Uh, Where are the ladies? Take a pretty lady out. But for real, like, you know, anything a guy can do, I can totally do as a woman. Yeah. Yes. I'm not as strong. I don't run as fast. Okay, maybe I'm not going to lift that heavy thing that a guy can lift or whatever. But I certainly feel like intellectually and certainly in general, anything a guy can do, I can do, except date his cis-hetero women. <laughs> so, you know. Nice. Are you an early bird or a night owl? I'm a little bit both. I'm a, I'm a nerd, so I'm up early. I like to get my yoga in and, oh, you know, get my chakras aligned, whatever that means. Yes. And then <laughs> I'm a theater person and a musician. So I'm up, you know, right. late at night as well. I, I'm, I do both. What I don't do a lot of is sleep. And so <laughs> yeah, I, I have to convince myself like, yeah, totally. Yeah. I know. You should get six to eight. Mm-hmm. I typically get five to six. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's hard. And, that, it's and that's my whole life. Yeah. 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 I've yeah. been that way since I was a kid. So I just don't sleep very much. But it's interesting what you said about being an artist, because I, I actually never made that connection because I'm pretty much a night owl, but I can and will wake up early in the morning. But yeah, when you're performing and when, especially on a regular basis, if you're in a show consistently and you get out at 1030, you still got all that adrenaline. Totally. You know, you're not going to sleep at midnight when you got, just got home at 11. Nope. Like you're. And as a musician, sometimes you don't even downbeat until midnight. Right. Like if you're the last band, sometimes you don't even downbeat until, you know, and you're just up and you just got to stay awake and you're just, you know, hyped until you play at 1 a.m. or whatever it is. So, right. Yeah. And so I'm a little bit both. I'm, I'm more of the don't sleep variety. Mm. <laughs> Just don't sleep. Do what I, do what I got to do to get it done. Yeah. It's a, it's a lifelong curse, my insomnia, but I use it to my advantage. If you had to spend the next two years in a small shelter with one other person, 
besides whoever you may be with now. You knew I was going to say my boyfriend. I you knew I, I was, was going to. Yeah, I was like, no, no, no. It's <laughs> off the table. Um, but who who would you want to be with and why? Wow, that is just an amazing question. And if you take my significant other, if you take him off the table, then suddenly it's like, oh, right. who, who would I? <laughs> well, I would want to be in there with someone that I could learn from mm. and who I found really inspiring and interesting. You know, chances are, I think I would probably want an older black female in there just dropping knowledge like all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, (laughs) you know, wow, that is such a good question. Jeez Louise. And we're just in there together. So they need to be able to cook. Right. They need to know when to say when and just don't say anything at all and just chill out, (laughs) go to bed. Uh, Right. (laughs) Eat this gummy and go to sleep. They need to be able to chill as well as, you know. Honestly, like Christopher Hitchens is coming to my mind because I respect it, even though he's not female or black, but he was so gifted intellectually. And I, he, mm. every time he opened his mouth, I felt like I learned something new about the world and like how to be a better thinker mm. in the world. And he was very rude and very direct and very, but I interpreted him as being tired of the bull, you know? And so he just yeah. knew how to slice butter with a hot knife. Mm. I think that I probably would at the end of two years, I'd probably be like, but wait, 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 wait. I just want to ask one more question, Mr. Hitchens, just one more question. Uh He, I I find him to be infinitely a fascinating human and just everything about him. He was a bit self-abusive. Like he was a drinker and a smoker Mm. and like all this crazy stuff. I just think he would have been an interesting cat yeah. to have fireside chats with. And he was, I like I say, I learned something every time the guy opened his mouth. So it'd be somebody like that, you know? I love that. I, I was expecting you to be like, my sister or, you know, something like something along those she lines. She came to my mind for sure. For sure. <laughs> Baby sister was like one of the first things that popped into my head. First thing was older black woman, because I just, right. those relationships are some of my most important and most valuable, like the older women that I look up to, you know, my, I think my sister came to my mind next. And then, you know, Christopher Hitchens just popped in there because of that. Mm. And maybe it's not Hitchens exactly. Maybe it's someone like that who you are, I am enamored with intellectually, philosophically, just as a human, somebody who I'm just like Mm -hmm. so interested in the way they think and the way they put it together, you know, their life philosophy together. And I've learned a lot from Hitchens. So that after that two years is up, you come out transformed. You do. You do. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, had an intellectual transformation, like, you know, around like age 30, Mm. you know, I was like, moving in my career from being an actor to deciding that I wanted to be a director. And it was literally the hardest shift in my life. There were lots of things going on at that time. You know, it was like, I think spiritually I was discovering who I am and what I think and, you know, Mm. who I am as a spiritual person. I think personally I was figuring out like, am I going to be a mom and am I going to pursue, mm-hmm. you know, that and, you know, it, or is that going to happen? Cause frankly, it takes mm-hmm. two to tango. You're not just like, I want to be a right. mom. And then suddenly <laughs> you're magically, you know, gifted with child. You, there, you need a partner. Yeah. Was that going to happen? And, you know, I had the acting bug and I had it for years and it was starting to wane. And I knew always that I wanted to eventually be a director So I was directing stuff and then very, very quickly realized that I had no idea what I was doing and no idea how to tell a story from the beginning Mm. to the end. I approached all stories like I did as an actor, 
which was moment to moment. And mm. the big vision belonged to the director. Yeah. So even as a choreographer, the big I choreographed, you know, 30 plays by the time I became a director full time. But even, you know, that, like the big vision belonged to the director. And I was always very happy to go along for the ride. Mm. And then when I really started directing, I realized that I couldn't quite see the play from the same vantage point from that moment to moment vantage point, I had to be outside of it and see the entire picture so that I was, you know, saying something and taking the cast and crew mm. somewhere and taking the story on a journey and frankly telling the writer's story in totality. So I stopped directing immediately and went back to school mm. and did it in my mid thirties. And like, it probably, Eric, was like the hardest transition of my life. And I've had a few, wow. you know, transitions. Like yeah. when I was 15, like, you know, deciding that I was not going to be a lawyer and not going to, you know, go run track and get a track scholarship and do that and be a lawyer. I assume your parents were... Oh, they were thrilled about that. Advocating for... Oh my God, they were totally thrilled. <laughs> they were like, she's going to Stanford yeah. and she's going to get a track scholarship. Like it was going down. <laughs> and then when I was like, I would like to sing and dance, they were like... <laughs> No, you wouldn't. You'd like to go to Stanford on a track scholarship. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, wrong no, answer. No, no, no. Like when I told my mom I was a vegetarian, she just looked at me and goes, No, you're not. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you know. So, but that was, I a, do know. Yeah, you know, that was a huge transition, you know, becoming an artist in a family where there were no artists. And then, mm. you know, you make a big transition when I left school or to do Stomp. And then I left Stomp to become an actor, you know, or to continue my acting career. Career, but nothing was quite as hard as leaving a pretty good acting career for a desert, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I just literally had to jump off the cliff and say, hey, if I want this to be a reality, I got to go out there and get it. Ooh. I can't really do it from where I am right now. I got to get out of L.A. basically. And um, it was very, very tough. I mean, now that we're there, I'm, I'm just curious a little bit more about this moment. What do you feel like prompted you to, to take that leap? Was there a conversation with a friend? Was there an event in the world? Was there anything that said like, okay, I know I'm scared, but I got to do it? Yeah, great question. Um, I honestly, and if I'm really perfectly honest, I think that I kind of was falling out of acting in my spirit. Mm. You know, I didn't really have that drive to stay where I was and to exploit where I was, which was in a very good place. Like, mm. you know, I'm very, very grateful for what I was able to do and, you know, the castings and bookings that I got. It was just kind of when I quote unquote got there, I was like, oh, I don't think I want to be known as an actor. I, I don't think I want like, I mean, I'm not ashamed of it, of course, you know, I'm grateful, you know, every day for people that watch the programs that I'm on or have been on. Mm -hmm. But I got to this place where I was like, I think that I have more to say as a director. I also think I could have a longer career as a director. And I've always wanted to do live entertainment, whether it was strictly theater or bigger events, that kind of thing. And frankly, I think that I wasn't as into acting the way that I needed to be to compete with the women that were in my category that were killing it. Mm -hmm. And at that level, 
everyone is super serious and very focused because there's only four or five of you in those auditions. It's not like the calls where there's, you know, 400 women or even 35 women. I mean, it would be like yeah. 10 or less of us going out for a part is very serious at that level. I'd be in those rooms and I would just be like, first of all, I'm not sure I want to be like face famous. Like I'm not sure uh -huh. I can take it, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah. Secondly, y'all are amazing actors and I'm not even sure I'm as good and I, or that I even want to be as good, you know, like, and I know in the back of my head right now, I'm like, okay, five, six, seven, eight, there's a rehearsal. Woo -woo. I'm like thinking of this show I'm wanting to go. I just was not in the room in the same way. Yeah. I had always wanted to be a director. Like I took directing in college and, um, mm. you know, went off and did stomp, but it was always there from the beginning. And the studio that I trained at at Tisch School of the Arts at NYU was a, mm. a studio that focused on the artist being a creator it was the experimental theater wing and so we hey yeah we're a kid oh, i did not know you were in etw yeah, I, was totally I mean i went to nyu tish shout out to etw because it taught me so much about being a generative artist and not just being a quote-unquote actor in the sense of i will receive the script and do what you tell me but like really creating your own artistry so i'm glad to hear that so you get it a hundred percent what i'm saying yeah like from a very young age we were trained that everybody's just wearing pants, you may as well build uh -huh. something as well. You may as well build that studio, build that show. Why aren't you doing a show? Oh, there's no casting? You mean you and your friends didn't get together in that cold warehouse and make a show? What's wrong with you? Like, uh -huh. and, and we did. And that's how I came up. And I went to a performing arts high school as well where we were creating shows. I was much more into sketch comedy yes. and that kind of stuff when I was in high school but got to experimental theater and became a physical theater person, which was yeah. um, apropos because it was right at the beginning of the physical theater revolution in the nineties. And so we worked like crazy. We worked all the time. We were having a blast. Like, and again, when there wasn't work, we were creating the work. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm a hyphenate. Honestly, it's like, yes, Oof. that wasn't um, cool back in the day. Yeah. You know, if you were a hyphenate, you were a Broadway actor mm -hmm. and you were a triple threat and it was a crown that you wore. Otherwise you were an actor or a musician or, mm -hmm. and all those times that we went through, like, look at that rapper. Who does he think he is doing a movie? I just would keep my mouth closed. I never, I was always like, no one is ever going to tell me that I cannot play my drums. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and play Julia in the Shakespeare piece. Like no one has ever, like I'm a drummer, yes. have been since I was nine years old. I do not relate to my friends who are frankly player hating on rappers who are doing their career. Yeah, They're like this rapper and who's to say that they're not an amazing actor, most deaf. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. You know, yeah. like who's to say that these, you know, Cher is an amazing actor. Like Cher, in my opinion, mm -hmm. Frank, I'm sorry, Cher, I love you so much. I think she's a better actor than she's a singer. Okay, okay, you know? yeah. I mean, no, she is a really great actress. She's like, an amazing I'm, actor. Yeah. Wow, she's, an, she's a gifted, gifted, gifted actor. Yeah. So that hyphenate thing was always there for me. And it, and it came mm. as a real survival thing, honestly, Eric. It was about like, how do I have a career in this business and not do things outside of the arts? I'm not that good at things outside of the arts. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a few areas that I'm interested in. And when I hit my mid-30s and I kind of hit that acting plateau, I was like, 
yeah, let me um, not plateau in terms of my career because the sky was the limit, I think, for anyone. But in terms of my feeling about being an actor, mm-hmm. I'd hit a plateau. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, how can I turn all of these things that I've been doing into the second chapter of my life mm-hmm. that was directing without a question? It was like, yeah, you're, you want to be a full-time director. And the transition was hard was hard monetarily. Uh, you know, I speak pretty plainly about money and it's like you make yeah. decent money as a G-list celebrity in Hollywood. You know, you're, you're doing just <laughs> fine. Like maybe you don't have that house in the hills, but you are not complaining about where the money, where the food is coming from. Like when you, yeah. you know, and going from that income to nothing really, because I was doing fellowships mm. and assistant directing right. jobs for small theaters, you know, mm-hmm. 200 seat theaters. So they're not breaking the bank in terms of what they're going to pay. Like the person who's in town to be the assistant director to, you know, yeah. and it was a very difficult year and a half of just, or maybe even a little longer, closer to two years of me just, you know, gradually building that directing resume and getting out there. In that time, I'm curious, were you one of those people that was like, okay, I've got this budget outlined and so I have to stick to this budget? Or were you kind of like day by day, like trying to figure it out? I am a total like grab your squirrel suit and jump off the cliff kind of person. (laughs) Like get your squirrel suit. You better spread your wings and fly. Otherwise, you're going to hit the ground. You avoid the sticks, avoid whatever might be you better work trying it out. to get you. I hope that dance class was good and you learned how to <laughs> you move to the left. Right, five, six, seven, eight Real to the left quick. and right. Huh. You know what I mean? Like, Pot of beret. Yeah, and when I was younger, I felt like that was the only way to be. It was. I felt like that was a big part of our training at mm. ETW was just go for it. Right. You know, I had some old stuff in me. I'll, frankly, I'll say, um, you know, no one was really encouraging this little chocolate drop to be in this business. Like for real, mm-hmm. no one was like, Amina, you're beautiful and you should be a movie star. Nobody said that to me. Mm-hmm. And so if I wanted this career, I had to go for it anyway, even as doors were closing in my face because I didn't, yeah. I wasn't the status quo. I had to carve a path anyway, because mm-hmm. what, what else was I going to do? The art saved my life. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. the art saved my life. So what else was I going to do? And so I'm accustomed to just saying, I'm here too. Let's go for it. May as well. This is the one life I have. Like, I'm going to have some fun. I think I'm an artist. I think that's what my contribution is. I'm going to go for it. And so this time around, I did that when I went to New York. I did that when I got stomped and left school. I did that when I left stomp, you know, (laughs) I, I did that when I moved to LA. But this transition was different in that I was financially more prepared. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, even though I didn't have a job lined up, yeah, I didn't just, you know, go running out into the desert without a water bottle. Like, you know, uh-huh. like I had, you know, a, a, a good savings. I had lots of friends in the business. And I think I have something to say as a director. So I just started trying to say it. And that meant Mm. putting myself out there to theaters and letting them know that I was here. That meant grabbing some friends and turning on my camera and making little short films like I like to do. And that meant, Mm -hmm. you know, fielding every opportunity that came my way and not letting anything slide by me. And that was a really intense, difficult year and a half where I questioned everything, Mm. you know, And then I got a call from someone who knew me from L.A. as a choreographer. And uh, I had choreographed the 
world premiere of a play called the Royale, which was a boxing play yeah. with rhythm. And I, you know, devised like what that play was going to sound like and sort of how the punches were going to be represented and that kind of thing. And, mm. you know, this uh, artistic director friend of mine was like, Hey, will you come and direct and choreograph it in Seattle? And I was like, saved by the bell. <laughs> and from there, you know, you just kind of, you hope to do a good job with that and someone sees it and then they go, Hey, we're doing this thing over here. Mm-hmm. Will you come direct this? And that's what I've been doing and, and trying to keep, you know, those connections and good relationships. But yeah. And then Lion King came along and hey, hey. was bigger than everything. And then the pandemic <laughs> came along and was bigger than even Lion King. <laughs> right. So that moment and your decision to go back to school and then building a career after that, was that your 180 or is there another moment that, that you want to discuss, to discuss as the 180 for you? Yeah, I think that uh, that's a pretty big 180 for me. Yeah. That one was very difficult. People look at you. I do have the other one from my childhood, which I'm happy to get into, but that one was huge because people look at you really funny when you're on TV and then you decide to do something else. Mm. And I literally like had colleagues of mine call me from LA to ask me if I was okay, like as if I were going to kill myself or I was suicidal or something, or maybe I was strung out on drugs or depressed or whatever. And I remember feeling those calls going, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just going to do a little theater, (laughs) you know, I'm totally fine. But that perception, you know, it's hard not to consider people's perception of you, like what I had Mm. earned as an actor. And like, you know, I make fun because Kathy Griffin calls herself a D-list, you know, celebrity. So I'm like, well, I must be on the G-list then, Uh you know, (laughs) you earn that, you know, after years and people don't realize how difficult it is to maintain a career in the arts. So I was very proud of, you know, what I had accomplished. And I was wondering if I had just basically thrown it all away on a pipe dream of being some sort of big time, you know, show director, because mm. it looked that way for a minute there. I was like, what is <laughs> happening? I couldn't get arrested. I was like in Atlanta and couldn't get arrested. I was just like, what is happening? I was like, this sucks, basically. Ain't nobody checking uh-uh, me. No one, you know, so and I was knocking on everybody's door. At that point in which you decided you were going to go back to school, be a director, you had been on a, what shows had you been on? I'm just curious. Yeah. At that point, I was on The Office. You were on The Office. Like, yeah, Yeah, it was happening simultaneously, which was a very strange experience because I felt like all of this awesome stuff happening in terms of my acting career. And I was like... I think I want to be a director of theater. (laughs) And I just kind of was like, let's see. I think every actor would just be smacking me because they'd be like, you what? And I, and I just wasn't totally there with Mm. that experience. And I can sometimes be that way though, in my history, you know, I can be sometimes two or three steps ahead of myself. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about that next thing a little bit quote unquote, by the time I got to the office, I was already on to the next thing in my head. Yeah. It made for some awkward, you know, feelings and just sort of like, Mm. should I stay here? Is this what I want? Am I pursuing this? Am I pursuing that? And it was pretty major because there's the thing that people don't talk about, which is that you remember, you remember the actor from the Cosby show who um, got photographed working at Trader Joe's? 
and how everyone was right. Yes, uh, Jeffrey. I think his name Jeffrey something. I think that was his name. But anyway, yeah, yeah, Jeffrey is his, definitely his first name. Yeah, we love this cat. From you know mm-hmm. what people don't realize is the day to day of what it means to be an actor. You know, yeah. and I'm imagining how long this cat went before he went and got that job. Yeah, and this is what people don't know. Like he got that job at the point where he was like, I must. Because there are no other avenues, you know, yeah. because he is so face famous that pe- and, and people are incredibly cruel out in the mm-hmm. real out in the world. And the person who took a picture of him was not trying to honor him. Right. You know, they were trying to embarrass him and hurt him. And it backfired on them. Thankfully, you know, somebody yes. stepped in and the community stepped in and everybody rallied around him. But this is something that people don't know about is like when you are that guy, not only is it's not even just about embarrassment, it's about what you've earned in terms of your cachet Mm. in your, you know, you are your business card. You are your face is your business and you are trying to present yourself or be a certain thing or whatever, like, you know it is not as easy as people think to just go get a job waiting tables Mm -hmm. because if it was, I, you know, you don't, we don't know how many formerly famous people are living in guest houses right now because they literally, you know, getting a real job is, is not a thing. Like you just can't do it. You know, this is really powerful because it's something that I think, you know, certainly artists, actors should, should consider. But when you said face famous and the idea that, your face is akin to representing you yeah. for all at, for all time. Yeah. Once you know, once you're face famous, but you you inside can change. You can you you transform. You the things you're after, the things you desire, the things you're willing or unwilling to do will change. But somehow, because your face was on a TV screen and you were somebody's favorite character, they expect you to live up to their expectations of whatever success is, celebrity. Yeah. Of celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. And actors fight it all the time. I literally just saw like a video of Mm -hmm. the kid that played Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Mm. the original Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder. He wanted to be a veterinarian and he fought for years and years. And he was just like, and he's now a veterinarian in, you know, New England. I forget exactly where. And he has just got his hat on and his vest on. But he had to Mm. fight for that. Wow. You know, he had to fight for that normalcy. Right. Lots of that stuff goes through your minds as well as who do you think you are? Go get a job. Like you ain't nobody. Like go get a job. Like what are you doing? You know, and all of those things come in your mind and they wreak havoc on your psyche. Mm. And so, yeah, it was a major, major transition for me. And who am I? And am I a director? And am I going to make this thing happen? And I still ask those questions. You know, the other pivotal one I was, you know, sort of passed over it. The big transition in my life really was when I was 15 and I finally put my foot down, my 15 year old foot down. And I was like, I want to be in the arts. And I did everything I could to shift my life into that lane because for real, I was going to be a runner and go to some Ivy League school, probably Stanford. And like, I was being scouted Mm, mm -hmm. already in like the ninth and 10th grade from schools that were, you know, looking at me for running and stuff like that. 
And for sure, I missed my calling. I should have been a runner. <laughs> like for sure, this has all been a waste no. of time. Like I should have been a runner. You know, like at my hamstrings are like really, really, bitch. Like oh, you you, you thought you were going to do like grand plies and bat mas? No, diva. You are, you're cut out for sprints, long jumps, and hurdles. Like sprinting. Oh, I should have. And as a result, like my hamstrings are all torn up. I've had several surgeries. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I have an athlete's body. I come from an athletically inclined family as opposed to a dance inclined family. Mm. But I wanted to dance. Mm. You know, I was also like, you know, a little chocolate girl growing up in Atlanta before Atlanta was cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was just a horrific environment, really. It was just like the mid, like, I guess it was the 1990, I was in the 10th grade, so late 80s, early 90s. And I was just, mm-hmm. you know, your typical kind of depressed kid trying to figure it out. Like, who am I? And no one loves me and I don't fit into this environment. And I go to this like mm. all white school with these rich, rich ass kids that I don't relate to. And there's like two or three black kids. And here I am going, mm. Who am I in the middle of this? And Right. You were the black friend. Yeah. And just all of it. And then <laughs> yes. after a while, I got to tell you, I stopped being everybody's friend. <laughs> I was the friend to the gay kid and the Russian immigrant. I was their friend. Yeah. Because yeah. the rest of them, I was like, I just couldn't relate to popular kids and pop culture and like what they were doing and what they were into. And I was like drowning, frankly. I just want to mention, because I said The Black Friend, Mm -hmm. we had an episode that we've recorded with Frederick Joseph, who has a book out now that is called The Black Friend. And it's it's supposed to be a tool for white folks to like really consider the experience Mm -hmm. of people who are kind of isolated Mm -hmm. in situations where they are the black friend. So yeah, no, that's real talk. That's real talk. Like, because that's what you are and people don't realize how isolating that is. I'm actually, let me write that down. The black friend. Yeah. Check it out. The black friend. And who's it by uh, Frederick Joseph is his name. All right. One of our episodes too. So we have a great chat with him. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it was just that. I just felt like I was like, this world is crazy. And when you're 15, your world is so small. Yes. I was already dancing. I was already like a break dancer and was taking some ballet classes and jazz classes. And and I was already a drummer. But acting, you know, was something that was pretty new to me. And one day the performing arts high school pranced into a like <laughs> an assembly at my sort of, you know, high school. And uh-huh. I remember all of these jocks with their Jeep Cherokees and their Honda Accords, they were like laughing at them, <laughs> basically. Really? Oh, yeah. And you know that, wow. you know how it is when you're in high school and when the beautiful cheerleaders or the football players come in, everybody's attentive and the crowd sounds a certain way. Right. But when somebody comes in that nobody likes, the crowd kind of has this and no one's paying attention and like right. no one's laughing at the right time. No one's clapping at the right time. Mm-hmm. And this was what they gave these kids and um i was like that's where i'm going to school next year <laughs> like they came prancing in i was like that's it right there i want to be one of them yeah and sure enough they were some of the most talented kids in atlanta they still are yeah. like stacy abrams went to our school hey dorian missick like who's on everything oh, went okay. to our school yes, i went to dorian. our school like right. you know we we had kelsey scott went to our, we had just an amazing school and those were the kids that pranced in that day mm. and i'm really glad that they did because for someone who was very confused um at that time in my life like who am i what is my identity where do i fit in it literally saved my life the arts and when i went mm. to that school and it was i went from this majority white experience and growing up 
in an interracial household in a white neighborhood and like all this different stuff. And I walked into mm. this school and it was 85% black. Wow. And then I was like, thank you. Thank you. Every which way from Sunday. Cause I needed that immersion into our culture and into our experience. Yeah. And I found that the more black people were around the better. Mm. And the reason is because the diaspora is diverse. Yes. And when you have just a couple little people around, it's no bueno. Mm-hmm. When you have a couple of chocolate chips and a vast sea of vanilla dough, <laughs> no bueno. If you have the more of us that are around, the better. And so I really thrived at that school. And I'm still friends with like my people. You know, it's like Avondale High School yeah. for the Performing Arts. That was us, you know. And like yes. we're, many of us are working and like we were interracial too. It was like, you know, there were definitely white kids at the school. It's just, you know, the, mm-hmm. the ratio had flipped. The majority. Yeah. Yeah. And it solved questions for me, you know, gave me a place to belong, let my freak flag fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be myself. Yeah. It was, I just loved, 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 loved being in that environment and, you know, being surrounded by all kind of black people. You know, and like the success profile, that's another thing. Yeah, that is huge. When you see people who look like you doing things that you aspire to do. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And it sure does. When you see people that look like you doing something you never thought yep. <laughs> you would do. Yep. It makes a huge difference. And I think that's one thing that representation truly does matter. Is there a moment in your in your journey through your throughout your career where you felt like, okay, you're at a first for yourself, but also representing success as a first, as a barrier breaker for somebody else? No question. Yeah. Like I'm conscious of it a lot because um, of the people that came before me. Like I, as you're saying this, I feel like I just have to say two words, Sicily and Tyson, Mm, you know, because had this fantastic, wonderful, amazing actor, like, amazing actor not existed, then who knows what all of us little chocolate girls, you know what I mean? But Cicely Tyson was everything. Yes. And I'm very conscious of what she did for me. And so I'm, I try to be conscious of what I'm doing for the girls that are coming after me. And I do think our generation has made a huge impact in particular for my very, very tiny demographic of dark skinned women. Like I do think that we have, mm-hmm. we have progressed Currently, I'm the resident director for the North American tour, The Lion King, and I'm the show's first Black director in 22 years of production with the show. Wow, that's that's that is incredible and also astounding. You know what I mean? That we have to say that that that's a first in 22 years. But but yeah, that's that's amazing, and I'm sure for those actors, for everybody involved, being able to see you as a leader, being able to see you as a decision maker being able to see the way you operate. Because I know, I'll never forget one of the first times I was in a room with a black man leading a table full of 10 people who are very diverse saying, I don't like this. This is how I think we should do it. I I respect you, I honor you, but let's do it this way. And just being able to see someone that looked like me, once again, um, lead a ship and truly embody that and, and embody it with grace. I can, t- I can tell, I mean, I can tell from who you are. I mean, we haven't worked together, <laughs> but I can tell, you know, you have poise, you have grace, you have um, respect for others. And being able to see all of that is just hugely influential and um, inspiring 
for folks that are coming up after. I think so. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. It's all this, uh, the stuff that I can say, I think it's sunk in each one, teach one, Mm. you know, reach your hand back or whatever. And then also, yeah, being conscious of like who you are. I think it matters. I do totally understand some of these mega stars when they say, Hey, I'm not a role model. I'm doing me. I'm doing me. I do get that like a hundred percent. The way I've chosen to kind of work it is I'm doing me. And part of doing me is I would like little black girls to look up to me and, or look at me and be proud of what they see and want to emulate that and give them something healthy, you know, in what's healthy to me, in my opinion, you know, so the people who say that they're not role models, I get it, you know, and I don't want to take anything away from that because I think that voice needs to be out there as well. But I do want to be a role model and I do want people to be inspired by what I'm doing in the same way that I've been inspired by the awesome women and men who've come before me. Yes. You've performed for a number of award shows, the Grammys, the AMAs, the Oscars. What's one of your most memorable experiences from one of those ceremonies? Yeah, good one. Let me think about that for a second. Sometimes it's the event itself. Mm. You mentioned the Academy Awards, and that was like bursting at the seams, like could not believe we were there, walking the red carpet, performing, being backstage, meeting Whoopi Goldberg, having her totally like us. And we were just like, oh, my God. You know, and just like (laughs) at that time, I still was very, very much an actor in my head. And the Academy Awards were still that thing. They were this sort of, you know, Mm. and being there. And I used to memorize the choreography from the opening numbers. That's how crazy I was. And, you know, and I used to, you know, love that and record the shows and watch them over again. I was a dork for real. (laughs) Yeah, the Academy Awards was a very, very memorable one. And then it's also memorable because you're young and you're wearing the wrong dress and you're, you know, you're you're completely out of place and you shouldn't (laughs) be there. It's, it's, It's memorable for all those reasons too. But yeah, that one was really incredible, incredible. I also really, I had a lot of fun at the Video Music Awards. I performed with a mm. with an artist called Charlie XCX. She's younger, I guess. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, mm. I had so much fun. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why that one in particular. It was just all, she had all girl drummers for it. We hit it off. Like we were having a laugh. Like yeah. we just had a blast. And so yes. her band was all girls and I'm still friends with Deb, her drummer. Like, you know, like, yeah, like we just, that uh-huh. one. And then, you know, MTV Video Music Awards are fun. That's like rock and roll. And, uh-huh. you know, it was just a fun venue. It was like sunny day. All the musicians uh-huh. are there. Everyone's backstage. Like I'm seeing all these cool drummers and, so yeah, those those two, you know, I've done a bunch of them, but the Academy Awards really stands out. Was there ever a moment where, you know, as they're saying nominees or something, where you were like, ah! Oh my God. Where you were like the one cheering the loudest for somebody? or Because the show, <laughs> the show that's going on backstage is so much more fun than the show that's <laughs> going on on stage. Oh, that's good to know. When you're doing the awards, you know, it's uh-huh. like... Backstage is so much fun. Uh All right, I'm going to share a story with you. Do we have time? A Lady Gaga story? Okay, yes, I'm excited for us. Lots of time for Stephanie Germanata. (laughs) Is that her name? (laughs) I didn't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so she's kind of awesome. So we're backstage, I want to say at the Grammys, but I could be wrong. Uh And we're in an elevator, me and a bunch of musicians. And like, we're chit-chatting, we're at the Grammys, yada da. (laughs) And the door opens and this white, coffin 
comes pushing into the elevator. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> there's like four guys dressed in black and they're pallbearers. Now get this. Now we're in a service elevator in the Staples Center at the Grammys chilling, you know, doing our thing. And the door opens and death comes oh in. My so there's that automatic cultural thing where this is a coffin and there are Paul. Oh my God. We were like, died? like we got quiet quick. Right. We were like, oh my God. Yeah. That's scary and awful. We literally, like the, it was like, and the conversation stopped. And then you don't know what you're experiencing because you're backstage at the Grammys at the Staples Center in a service elevator and a white coffin just came into the elevator. Yeah. And inside the coffin is Lady Gaga laying there with her arms crossed on her chest and she is just laying there. And how do we know? Because there was a frosted opening. Like you could kind of see like where the head was. Oh it was gosh. clear. And the rest of the coffin... And we were standing there and no one wants to say anything. And the pallbearers didn't, they were just stone dead, didn't say anything. Uh -huh. And like, then the elevator doors open and they got off and they left. Ah. Yeah. Now here's the thing. Lady Gaga did not perform with that coffin and those pallbearers. So I am of the opinion, and then we got into a big discussion about this. Ooh. Ooh, she yes. was doing performance art. For us backstage. <laughs> Just to do it. Just to do it. I was like, nothing that's happening on that stage can compete with what just happened backstage. When you're in the elevator with a bunch of musicians Wait. and you're at the Grammy uh, coffin, what? Oh my God. What? Is that Lady Gaga in that coffin? But no one said anything. Like you're just looking. And then when they got off the elevator, everyone was like, was that Lady Gaga? That was Lady Gaga. And like she literally just did some performance art. <laughs> performance art. Just, just backstage. Had everyone yeah, gagged. Literally. And so I was like, yeah, that's fierce. That's, wow. that's gagged fierce. for Gaga. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh oh. That honestly made my respect level for her shoot through the roof because wow. that was some Andy Kaufman style classy you know like public theater you know confuse everybody right real quick you yes. know spark a million arguments right real quick and then just going about your day <laughs> don't say anything and just I was like she's that was awesome yes yeah like a white coffin yeah four four very uh, serious pallbearers drama yeah all, yeah, it was it drama. was amazing. Yeah, so nothing on stage was better than that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do this quote. I'm gonna say this quote, and then we'll respond our reflections on the conversation as related to the quote. Okay. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left, and could say, "I used everything you gave me." And that's a quote from Irma Bombeck. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It reminds me of um, something that I like to say. We all say it. It's like, leave it on the stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you saving it for? Leave it on the stage. And so right now, as I'm dealing with like hamstrings that don't work, a toe that has a titanium mm -hmm. screw in it, an elbow that's all scarred up and, <laughs> you know, from a surgery, I'm like, yeah, it was all, it was awesome. It was totally worth it. And you just, mm. you know, you leave it on the stage and you don't save it because what are you saving it for again? You know, what, what are you hoarding it for? Give it, give it, give it away. Hallelujah. Yes. Give it away. Yeah. Give it away yes. for sure. Oh, that's powerful. So I'll ask, is there something that you're looking forward to that's like, you're like, this could be the next thing or this is the next thing 
that you're really invested in doing, whether that's a show, whether that's a different role in the industry or a different industry altogether. Right. Can you can you believe it? Yeah. Our business is so crazy right now. Right. Right. Yeah. Right now, out of respect and honor for like the way Disney has been with us during this furlough, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm focused on like getting Lion King back up and running and taking care of Julie's show and making sure that we get that show back out to the public because it's seriously one of the best shows that's ever been created. Yes. And ultimately, I am a creative director and I want to create cool, big stuff that moves and has dancers flying all around and actor, you know. And so I do have a couple of things on the horizon um, that I'm just sort of not at liberty to really talk about right now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's stuff. There's stuff for sure. Yeah. Very exciting. What I see is uh, all... (laughs) What I, I see a black Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> I see it. I see it happen. I see Amina Kaplan being the founder and creative director. I'm telling of you, some big ass beautiful black. It's coming. It's coming, Eric. Company. It's coming. Yeah. I'm. I'm excited. I was very very close to directing One Drop for Cirque du Soleil in 2019, mm. and that's their mm-hmm. water charity. And I was like, it was down to they said a handful. That means five or less. So right, I think right. I got pretty close on directing for Cirque. And so I feel like, all right, if I'm on their radar, if I'm on Disney's radar, you know, then let's go. Let's let's do it. Let's. Yeah. yeah. So there's stuff coming for awesome. sure. Yeah. And and I'm going to tell you, like, you've already received some NAACP awards. You received a number of awards. But whether the NAACP adopts it or not, um, myself and April Rain, one of our former guests, we talked about the Omars. <laughs> and so... No matter what, I'm giving you an Omar. <laughs> okay. You get an Omar from the 180 hey. for achievement, outstanding achievement, artistic achievement, career achievement, because um, just hearing your journey has been truly inspiring and your ambition to try new things and go after them and then do them well and to study them. Um, it's it's really, really uh, empowering and a great reminder to follow your gut, follow your spirit, follow the intuition. And if through the transitions, you'll make it if, if you are intentional. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you have to be intentional. Hey, you're very charming, Eric. It's wonderful to meet you and chat with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed this. This has been so great. And I want to make sure our listeners follow Amina. You can follow Amina on Instagram at Amina KK. So Amina is spelled A-M-E-E-N-A-H-K-K. The KK is after the Amina. But um, of course, <laughs> but yeah, stay up to date with what Amina's doing. And uh, is there anything else you want to shout out? No, I think we got it. Yeah. Um, I got a little dance film coming out because I like to make these little dance shorts. And I made one just recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. With a, like a rock singer and some steppers. Oh, awesome. I got the steppers to make a routine to like kind of a folk rock song. And so it turned out really cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll look out for that. And you mentioned Patreon. The 180 has a Patreon. You know, got to plug that. So, you know, if people want to support the 180, you can check us check us out on Patreon as well. Yeah, definitely support. Thank you so, so much, Amina. And um, I look forward to staying connected with you and seeing where where your next 180 might take you. Thank you, Eric. It was awesome to chat with you, my friend. I really enjoyed it. Thank you all for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatman with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly. And digital portraits by Byron McRae. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. We need your help to spread the love and inspiration. 
Follow us on all social media at The180Pod and visit our website at www.the180pod.com. If you want to help support these stories, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. You can get access to chat more with me. You can also get exclusive content, merchandise, and you can hear episodes early. Visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com, The180Pod. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed. Know that you'll have a blessing if you just keep on pressing. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah.